Chapter Ten of the Phantom Town Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Phantom Town Mystery by Carol Norton. Chapter Ten, A Lonely Mountain Road. While the four young people ate the delicious chicken sandwiches which Mrs. Newcomb had prepared for them and drank creamy milk poured into aluminum cups from a big thermos-bottle. They sat gazing silently about them, awed by the terrific majesty of the scene, the girls not entirely unafraid. Below them was a sheer drop of hundreds of feet to a desert floor, which was most uneven, having been cut up by torrents which, during each heavy rain, were hurled down the mountain-sides. The effect of the desert for miles beyond was that of a little grand canyon. Dora, thoughtfully gazing at it, said, "'In a few centuries other girls and boys will stand here, perhaps, and by that time those canyons will be worn deep as the real Grand Canyon is to-day. Won't they, Jerry?' "'I reckon that's right,' the cowboy replied. Then Mary asked, "'Jerry, is this old dangerous mountain road the very same one that the stages used to cross years ago?' Jerry nodded, but before he could speak, Mary, shining-eyed, rushed on with, "'Oh, Dora, I know why the boys have brought us here. This is the road where the three bandits held up the stage that Sven Peterson and poor little Bodle were riding in.' "'Of course it is.' Dora generously refrained from telling her friend that she had been convinced of that fact ever since they began climbing the grade. Glowing blue eyes turned toward the cowboy. "'Oh, Jerry!' Have you any idea where the exact spot was? Where the bandits shot the driver, I mean, and where the horses plunged over the cliff, and where that poor little girl was thrown into the road?" Excitement had made her breathless. Jerry's admiring gray eyes smiled down at the eagerly chattering girl. "'I reckon I know close to the spot. Silas Harvey said it was just at the top of Devil's Drop, and—' Mary interrupted, horror in her tone. Oh, Jerry, what a dreadful name! What is it? Where is it? She was gazing about, her eyes startled. The road disappeared fifty feet ahead of them, around a sharp curve. For answer, Jerry started the motor. Then, joltingly and with cautious slowness, the small car crept toward the curve. Unconsciously, the girls were almost holding their breath as they gazed unblinkingly out of staring eyes at the wall of rock around which the road was winding. When they saw Devil's Drop, a bare granite peak, up the near side of which the old road climbed at an angle which seemed but slightly off the perpendicular, Mary, with a little half-sob, covered her eyes. Jerry, terribly self-rebuking, wished sincerely that he and Dick had come alone. He was sure that the road was safe, for he and his father had crossed it since the last heavy rain. Mr. Newcomb had a mining claim which could be reached by no other road, so it was with confidence that Jerry tried to allay Mary's fears. "'Little sister,' he said, "'please trust me when I tell you that the grade looks a lot worse than it is. I'd turn back if I could, but it wouldn't be safe to try.' Mary, ashamed of her momentary lack of faith in Jerry's good judgment, put down her hands and smiled up into his anxious face. "'Jerry,' she said, "'I'm going to shut my eyes tight until we are up top. You tell me, won't you, when the worst is over?' 
Dora had made no sound, but Dick, glancing at her, saw that she was staring down at the hamper at her feet as though she saw something there that fascinated her. He also feared that the girls should have been left at home. Nor was he himself altogether fearless. Having spent his boyhood in and around Boston, he was unused to perilous mountain rides, and he was glad when the car came to a jolting stop and Jerry's voice, relief evident in its tone, sang out, "'We're up top, and all the rest of our ride will be going down.' Mary opened her eyes and saw that the road had widened on what seemed to be a large ledge. Jerry climbed out and put huge stones in front and back of the wheels. Then he held out his hand. "'Here's where we start hunting for clues,' he said, smiling, but at the same time scanning his companion's face hoping that all traces of fear had vanished. Dora and Dick went to the outer edge of the road. "'Such a view!' Dora cried, flinging her arms wide to take in the magnitude of it. "'Describe it. Who can?' "'I'll try,' Dick replied. A bleak, barren, cruel desert lay miles below them, like a naked, bony skeleton of sand and rock. Mary, clinging to the cowboy's arm, joined the others, but kept well back from the edge. "'Jerry,' she said, in an awed voice, "'do you think—was this the very spot, do you suppose, where the stage was held up?' "'I reckon so,' Jerry replied, as near as I could figure out from what Silas Harvey said." Dora turned. "'Then somewhere along here was where poor little Bodle was thrown into the road.' The cowboy nodded. A sawtooth peak rose just beyond them. Dora, gazing at it, speculated aloud. Could a wild beast have slunk around the curve there, snatched the child, and dashed away with it to its cave? We'll probably never know, Dick replied. That could have happened, couldn't it, Jerry? I reckon so, the cowboy began, when Mary caught his arm again. Oh, Jerry, she cried. Are there wild animals now, I mean living here in these mountains?" The cowboy glanced at Dick before he replied, "'None, little sister, that will hurt you. Don't think about them.' But Mary persisted. "'At least tell me what wild animal lives around here that might have dragged little Bodle to its lair.' Jerry, realizing that there was nothing else to do, said in as indifferent a tone as he could, I reckon there may be a mountain lion or so up here, and a puma, perhaps. That's sort of a big cat, but it's a coward, all right. Gets away every time if it can." He hoped that would satisfy Mary, but instead she looked up at the grim peak above them, her eyes startled, searching. I saw a picture once, so I remember it was in my biology book, of a huge cat-like creature crouched on a ledge. It was about to spring on a goat that was on the mountain below it. Underneath the picture was printed, The Puma Springs from Ledges Down Upon Its Unsuspecting Prey. I remember it because it both fascinated and terrorized me." "'Mary,' the cowboy took both her hands and smiled into her wide blue eyes, "'will it make you feel better about wild animals attacking us if I tell you that Dick and I are both carrying concealed weapons?' Mary smiled up at Jerry as she said, "'You think I'm a silly. I know you do. And I don't blame you. I'm not going to be fearful of anything again today." Then, as she glanced down the steep road up which they had come, she returned the conversation to the subject from which they had so far digressed. "'Jerry, which way do you suppose the three bandits came?' 
I reckon they came around the sharp curve over there. They could hide and not be seen by the driver of the stage until he was almost upon them. Anxiously Mary asked, "'There wouldn't be any bandits on this road these days, would there?' It was Dora who answered, "'Mary Moore, you know there wouldn't be. Jerry told us that this road is abandoned by practically all travellers.' Then turning to the cowboy, Dora excitedly exclaimed, "'Why, Jerry, if this is the spot where the stage was held up and where the horses plunged off the road, don't you think it's possible something may be left of the stage, something that we could find?' "'That's what I reckoned,' the cowboy said slowly. "'Dick and I were planning to climb down the side of the cliff here and see what we could unearth, but I reckon we'd better give up and go home. Dick, you and I can come back some other time, alone.' "'Oh, no,' Dora pleaded. "'Mary and I are all over being afraid. We have on our divided skirts and if it's safe for you to climb down Devil's Drop, why, it's safe for us, isn't it, Mary?" "'If Jerry says so,' was the trusting reply, accompanied by an equally trusting glance from sweet blue eyes. Instead of answering, Jerry beckoned Dick over to the edge of the steep drop. It was not a sheer descent. Every few feet down there was a narrow ledge, almost like uneven stairs. There were scrubby growths and crevices to which the girls could cling. About one hundred feet down there was a wide-flung ledge, and then another descent. How perilous that was they could not discern from where they stood. "'We could get the girls down to that first wide ledge easily enough,' Dick said, if you think we ought." Jerry spoke in a low voice, which the girls could not hear. "'I'm terribly sorry we brought them. My plan was to have them sit in the car up here, in the road, while we went down to hunt for a skeleton of that old stagecoach. But now that Mary's afraid of a wild animal attacking them, we just can't leave them alone. They don't either of them know how to use a gun. I reckon what we ought to do is go back home and—Dick shook his head. They won't let us now, he said. And he was right. For the girls, tired of waiting, skipped toward them, saying in a sing-song, Verse 7, Two cowgirls, whom nothing can stop, are now going over the devil's drop. Come, come, come-a, come-a, come-a key. You may come along if you're brave as we." "'Great!' Dick laughed, applauding. "'Well, only down as far as the wide ledge,' Jerry told them. "'That will be easy going, I reckon, and safe.' He held out his strong brown hand to Mary, and leading the way he began the descent. End of chapter 10 Recording by Bill Borst